Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You know, May 6th through 10th is National Teacher Appreciation Week. Mm-hmm. And we would love to hear your stories for National Teacher Appreciation Week. Who are the teachers who have influenced you most? Uh, I know you and I have our stories, and we'll talk about those in, in, in the days ahead. Uh, <laughs> it involves some... singing and dancing. <laughs> oh, dear. In math class. <laughs> uh, so share your stories with us, um, and we'd love to be able to uh, to share those stories during National Teacher Appreciation Week. So call them in now to the Lister comment line, 314-996-1542, 314-996-1542. Call them in this week so we can get them in uh, for, the, uh, the, for the programs during May 6th through the 10th. Or you can, if you don't want to call in, don't want your voice in there, you can email them, coffee at kfuo.org. That's pretty easy to remember as well. Or you could Facebook message us. You could send them on Facebook yep. Messenger. And then, you could. I'll see them. And then uh, Sarah will get those and get them <laughs> into the Instagram story. Or Instagram if you'd prefer that. Or Twitter. Any of them. <laughs> Speaking <fine>. of teachers, <laughs> we've got a really great teacher who who's... Uh, whose life was changed by cancer mm-hmm. and now doing some outstanding things in partnerships with uh, so many others to do that. Phil Zilke, founder of Phil's Friends, joining us today. Phil, thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour. Thank you. Good morning, and uh, it's rainy in Chicago, but um, thankful to thankful to be online talking about what God's doing in people's lives. It's not snowing today in Chicago, <laughs> is that right? Thankfully, no, but actually uh, <laughs> I did late last week, and uh, it melted yesterday. So I actually took the boys, uh, my four- and six-year-old, sledding yesterday morning, and by the afternoon it was all cleared out. That is so <laughs> typical Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, it's spring. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. It's snowing. Well, Phil, you have uh, you you have quite the story and uh, of how life changed for you when you were facing cancer. I'd love to share that story, and then also how uh, how Phil's friends came about as a result of that, and what Phil's friends is doing today. Share with us your story, Phil. Sure. So when I was 22 years old, I first heard the words that I had cancer. Uh, those were words that I never thought I'd hear. Um, people in my family had not heard those words before. And when I was diagnosed, they said I was in stage 4B for about nine months um, before they found it. So I had been in and out of the doctor for a year, didn't know what was wrong, lost 40 pounds, night sweats every night, hip pains, um, fevers, you name it, had no energy. Uh, I was just getting ready to graduate you know, college as a student teacher and had 28 kids in my room. And I thought it just can't be this difficult um, to live each day. And so once that diagnosis came, you know, a lot of emotions uh, flooded my mind, and um, it can get pretty crippling at that time. But uh, what was, what was uh, the beauty in it all is, one, I had a great support system that was around me um, when I was diagnosed, and I had uh, the kids at my school uh, that were in my class. I had the church uh, that was praying for me and people really from around the country. And uh, we know that prayer is powerful, and God hears our prayers, and And so I ended up going through uh, six months of chemotherapy, found myself on my hospital bed um, for the majority of that time. And uh, really the hospital became my, not just my second home, but my first home uh, during that time. And when life is finally still and you're not rushing around with the the busy, fast-paced society that we live in, uh, which is so easy to get uh, caught up in, especially when they say we're supposed to, you know, live in this world but not live like the world. Um, it's easy to get caught up in that. And when I was laid out on my back, I had actually my grandfather came and visited me. And uh, one day I remember waking up and looking in the corner of my room, and my eyes were a little blurry. And I saw him. He actually had my Bible uh, that I'd gotten in confirmation class at the Lutheran school that I grew up in. And he was highlighting the verses with hope and strength and peace. And 
I started committing those to memory. Um, obviously, as a teacher, I was doing that, growing up in school, learning them. Um, but then my grandfather read those words to me. And uh, afterwards, he went and came to my bedside and said, I want to let you know, uh, your grandma and I, we love you. But mo- most importantly, uh, your Heavenly Father loves you. Left that Bible on my uh, nightstand and walked out. And when I was, wasn't well enough to have visitors or didn't want visitors because I wasn't feeling well, um, I had God's Word uh, that you know gave me the strength. And so when I was too sick to open my eyes, those verses went on and on in my head. And I just really took root you know, in my heart as well. And then I had a group of individuals who put a care package together for me, all signed their names to it. So they were thinking about me and praying for me. And as a 22-year-old kid who felt like he was, you know, halfway done with a childhood and, you know, halfway into adulthood, um, it, it symbolized some things for me. One, it let me know that I wasn't going to have to walk this journey alone. Uh, number two, there were people that were praying for me. And third, um, that it was okay to accept other people's help. And, you know, sometimes we can get stubborn as uh, people and say, hey, we know the way. We know what's right. And um, but this really kind of opened my eyes to that, and um, so I was thankful for the way people loved me. And then I had individuals who sent me cards in the mail, and uh, when I was well enough to be at home during treatments, I had uh, actually two people. Uh, one was a third-grade girl, and another one was a woman named Judy who I didn't know at the time. And every single week uh, there was a card with my name on it. So in my empty house, which you know my uh, my parents were teachers at the time, and uh, my siblings were all at school, I'd, I'd look forward to when it was 1 o'clock. So I'd you know, get myself to the edge of the couch and make my way to uh, the stairs, make that descend down. I eventually get out to that front door, you know, put my hand on the doorknob and turn it and go up, step out on that front porch and open the mailbox slot and put my hand in. And every time, you know, we pulled, pulled mail out, went through the junk mail, but eventually I found a card with my name on it. And even if that descend down the stairs was, uh, felt like it could wear me out for the rest of the day, having that card in my hand gave me the encouragement to go back up those stairs and so I'd sit down on the couch, and I'd open that card, and I'd look in there and see that people were praying for me. And, you know, if I was weak, it was always a verse, you know, about strength, like Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so those little reminders came. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people that are going through cancer. And, um, you know, this year 1.7 million Americans will hear that news for the very first time. Uh, there's 15 million Americans that are, you know, cancer survivors living just, in the, you know, obviously just in the United States. And, uh so cancer obviously has its implications, and if we focus on just that part, we're missing what God has. And sometimes there's a lot of beauty that can be found in those ashes and when you're going through something challenging. So after six months, doctor said I was cancer-free, uh, stepped back in the, the classroom, and uh, the kids were really excited for me to be there and started in September. You know, I was uh, teaching fourth grade, and, and so I went through that year, uh, made it almost almost through until about April. It was actually around this time, uh, back in 2005, and I got those pains in my hips again. Doctor said I was diagnosed. This time went through a lot of anger, you know, didn't understand. I just wanted to share my faith with the kids and with the families uh, that God had put in my life. And so I made my way back to my hospital room and um, it was basically on and off for the next year, the chemo stem cell transplant where they used my own stem cells, uh, radiation. And But during my breaking point, uh, which was during my stem cell transplant when my body was completely gray. I was fed by tubes on oxygen. That's when I really felt like I hit my cracking point, and I really just cried out to God, and I said, Lord, um, I want to go to heaven. I believe Jesus died for me, and uh, I want to be able to go to this perfect place, not be in any pain anymore. Please take me. But if it's not my time, I promise to give the rest of my life to you, whatever you have planned for me. And um, through that, I knew, you know, through that prayer and that God was putting me through this for a reason, it wasn't my time to go, so 
I kept a journal of the care package and the cards and the way people supported me and prayed for me and delivers God, God's word to me. And then um, it started, I was just going to write a book and share my story of what God had done. And, and then a nurse walked into my room one day and said, hey, Phil, I think there's something here more than a book. Why don't you pray about it? And so I did. And um, through that, I just felt God was calling me and the people around me uh, to kind of, you know, get a, um, you know, word of mouth, word of mouth going and just get everything spread out so we can bring hope to other people and really bring the gospel to people while they're going through a challenging times. So that was 2006 when Phil's Friends began. Uh, doctor said I was cancer-free and taught till 2009, and I really haven't had much time uh, to look back since. This mission has grown into supporting about 15,000 individuals every month across the U.S. through the care packages. Uh, we either uh, visit people in hospitals through our Hope the Hospitals program, which we're always looking for volunteers who, who feel called, say, hey, I've gone through cancer, or I you know, have a heart for someone who does because my friend or family member did, and then we can train them and uh, equip them and get them going into their local hospital so they can provide consistent visits, um, get down on people's bedsides, and uh, just basically, you know, look that person in the eye and say, here's a care package. I want to let you know we're thinking about you, praying for you, and you're not alone while you're during this journey. And, and then it's just a ministry of, of presence and listening and, and offering prayer and handing out Bibles. And then the second way is if anybody across the U.S. knows someone with cancer, and go to our website, philsfriends.org, and say, you know, my friend who's going through breast cancer, uh, they live in Florida, and put in their address. And twice a week we have Hope Centers in, uh, outside of Chicago and in Indiana, and basically we pack these care packages, decorate the boxes, you know, get all the items in, and then that shows up anonymously on their doorstep, and then the cards of encouragement uh, begin. So that's, that's my story, uh, cancer-free. Uh, just two days ago uh, celebrated, I met my wife, uh, Carrie, 17 years ago, um, uh, to the day a couple days ago, and then 15 years ago was the first time I had cancer, and um, just have a new outlook, new lease on life, and knowing that tomorrow's not promised, and uh, just thankful to, um, you know, join God in his mission of what he says in Luke, you know, chapter 19, verse 10, and that whole story of Zacchaeus, uh, which is Jesus came. He came to seek and to save the lost, and it's just an honor and a privilege uh, to be able to walk around, to be able to eat again, to be able to share God's word uh, with people. So thanks for this opportunity today. It's such a beautiful thing uh, when, when the community of God's people uh, come to to support someone that's going through something that, that's so life-changing uh, and and uh, a really difficult situation. But having that, that community of, of, uh, of fellow children of God around you uh, can, can really make a difference in somebody's life. Um, how We have about... 30 seconds left <laughs> yeah <laughs> about a minute left uh, how can somebody uh or how can a congregation uh learn more about phil's friends or or um how they can do some tangible things uh to support the ministry yeah we always uh, need help putting the care package item together so you can have a care package supply drive um obviously every care package has a cost about 50 dollars to put one so you could write a check to phil's friends with some tax deduction we're a, a registered service organization of the lcms and then you can have a care package item drive. So we're looking for people to make blankets, make hats. Uh, we have that available on our website, the sizes and dimensions we're looking for, or collecting you know, Bibles, and toothbrush, toothpaste, carry cream, lotions, fuzzy socks. There's a lot of items that are listed on the website as well. So you could collect those, and then you could mail them into our headquarters, and then we'll get those in those care packages and then distribute them. Check out philsfriends.org. Phil Zilke, founder of Phil's Friends. Thank you so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today. Thanks for the opportunity. Have a great rest of your day. I'm Eddie Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth.
The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Oh, 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 o